Hello, hello, hello. This is Toothy Toad. This is Dr. Walter Aka, and I have the pleasure, the honor. You know, we were just talking before we got on here uh, that this might be the only other episode my wife watches. She's incredibly excited to have you on, you know, for from some, I mean, she's so big into, you know, yoga. She's so big into mindfulness. She tells me all the time, you need to change your mindset. Da, da, da. And I'm like, okay, it's easier said than done. Right. So, so when she heard you're coming on, she's, I mean, Dr. Seema Desai, she's been excited for this episode. So I hope I don't, I hope I don't mess this up for her. Well, I hope I don't mess this up for her. How about that? No, no pressure, <laughs> no pressure at all. But you know, uh, Dr. Dr. Desai, I'm going to, I'm going to start off by asking you one question that I've been thinking about when it comes to you, right? Because I kind of know your backstory and I want you to tell the audience your backstory, but what is the biggest professional decision that you made that kind of altered your whole entire lifestyle, your whole entire professional life? What was the one decision that you made that you said, man, I'm so glad I made this or man, it was not a good idea to make this. Um, That's a two part answer. Maybe two sides Please. of the same coin. Yes. In that I control what happens and how I experience, like I don't control what happens, but I control how I experience what happens. Yep. Number one. And the second part to that is if I don't take care of myself, mm. everything else, doesn't matter how hard I try to be perfect, to be, you know, get that last little bit of carries out, let, you know, get that perfect amount of spice in my sweet potato chana masala. It doesn't matter what it is that I'm doing. If right. I am not coming from a place of being healed and a place of peace, mm -hmm. everything outside of me will feel like conflict. That's right. So what was one of the biggest decisions that you made in your professional life that, you know, uh, altered the path that you're on right now? To take to take control of how I see things. Okay. Okay. So so by saying that, somebody's going to sit there and somebody's going to have a dental office mm -hmm. and they're going to be dealing with, okay, this machine just broke or mm -hmm. or my assistant, man, they're, they're really slacking. They're showing up late or, you know, the front office is not collecting like I need to. And so everything like as dentists, everything kind of, you know, gets put on us. Yeah. What do you say to that dentist that's sitting in their office, overwhelmed, stressed? What do you say to them about the whole experience and what they're going through? Well, first of all, that of course they feel overwhelmed. Of course they feel like there's a lack of clarity, like it's sticky, like it's hard, like you're trying your best. And sometimes, at least for me, I, I felt like I would show up and give a million percent every day and still feel like I was falling short. Um, Of course you feel that way and you haven't done anything wrong. Um, And also you have the power to see things differently than how you're currently seeing them. And what I mean by that is our natural tendency is to think from a place of binary thinking, right? Is this going according to plan or is it not? Did, mm -hmm. did I, you know, is the margin closed or is it not? Mm -hmm. Did the assistant show up today or not? Machine working today or not? Um, and anything outside of that either induces stress mm -hmm. or because we tend to be overachieving, ambitious perfectionists, when things are working and it's it's a, a confirmatory, a yes, then it's like, well, that's how it should be, <laughs> right? There's there's no, nobody has a problem until something doesn't work. And then everybody's up in arms. 
right? We, we see life through this black and white lens, this idea that there's a right and a wrong. And I know that's a really hard concept for some people. So if you don't get it and you're not really willing to look at this a little bit more, I understand. I'm not not here to, to force any thinking on you. I'm just telling you what's worked for me. Well, okay. So here's the problem with that, right? We went through undergrad, dental school. We went through everything and, and we were tested. Mm-hmm. And the test is either you pass or you fail right? You got an A and you were excellent or you got an F and you failed, right? F for failure. That's what we were kind of bred to to think, right? Even when we were in dental school, we had, we were ranked, at least in mm-hmm. my school, we were ranked, right? You're number one or you're number 80 or whatever it may be. So you were put in a one side versus another. There was not a, oh, well, you can just kind of sit in the middle, right? It's you need to be excellent. We are overachievers. And there are a lot of overachievers in this world. So how do you get them to change their mindset on everything that you've been programmed, throw that away, and now start reprogramming yourself this way? And how hard is that going to be? How much sense does it make for you to expect yourself to do a successful endo procedure if what you're set up for is a restorative one? Mm. So then that's other people's fault. That's not your, you came. Why does it, why is it everybody's fault? Why is it anybody's fault? Well, okay. And and break that down because in the end, if you are here for endo, but you're set up for restorative, then that's not what we, you know, you plan to fail, right? Maybe you you walked, maybe you walked into the room, the, a different room than you were intended for, for doc. Okay. Maybe, maybe you had a last minute cancellation and the assistant, like you just, they're just trying to play catch up and do their best. Maybe what I'm saying by the procedure thing. And I said, I said it knowing the audience that's listening. Right. It's it's like, I mean, another way to think about that is you're using an instruction manual or a set of an algorithm an operating procedure, whatever you want to call it. That's getting you exactly what you're experiencing. So if you, So if you want something different, Mm -hmm. right, then you've got to look at things differently. You've got to use a different set of instructions. You've got to do a different procedure. We are are built on um, our ancestors, Mm -hmm. right? Who their job back in the day was to survive. Quick judgments, rattlesnake or stick, bear or wind moving through the trees, right? And that's the genetic trauma that the latest research has shown. There was, I think, um, one about the experiences with Holocaust survivors. I, I actually, full confession, I a colleague just told me about it, so I have not read the study. But the point of it was we carry this genetic trauma of being in stress all the time, right? And you said it yourself. You said we we either get an A or we get an F. What about the B, C, D? What happened there, right? There's a whole rainbow of options. Right. But if you tell yourself it's anything less than an A is a failure, well, mm-hmm. you've cut off any other availability for another possibility that might actually make sense, that might actually be true for you. So I, I digress in that saying we're wired to think in black and white. Yeah. Except for we're not in threat anymore. When our, you know, when our assistant doesn't show up for work, there's nobody holding a gun to our head, hopefully. Right. right. Okay. But our our brains and our bodies don't know the difference. 
And so it reacts the same way as if a rattlesnake was about to bite you or there was a bear or there's a gun pointed at your head. It doesn't know. And so until you recognize just coming into that awareness of my stress is a is a default reaction. It's like when when we've studied um, neuroanatomy, mm-hmm. right? They talked about how the the neural pathways in our brains, the more heavily used ones become more heavily myelinated, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And then the ones that we don't use, the skills we don't use, they're not as and and because that myelin basic myelin basically helps that procedure go faster, right? That's that pathway yep. just get, boop, 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 yep. autopilot. Mm-hmm. So these lesser known skills, these lesser used skills, they feel rusty. They feel hard. They feel unfamiliar. And what's unfamiliar is scary. So your lower brain stem, your reptilian brain, your primitive brain will step in and go, oh, unfamiliar. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing. Unsafe. I'm going to lock up and fall back to judgment. Yes yeah. or no, right or wrong, black or white, pass or fail. So what do you do in that situation where you feel like, okay, you know, I had everything planned out and mm-hmm. plans didn't go according to my plans. Mm-hmm. What do we need to do when it comes to that? And how do we change our mindset in order to understand that it's going to be okay? Or even just kind of say, okay, well, it didn't go this way. What do I need to do to pivot? Mm-hmm. Well, there's so much to that question. Right. There's so much to that question because I always, one of my favorite things to say is it's not what you do, it's how you do it. Okay, break that down. It's the intention from which you take that action. So for example, if I walk into a room and I say, hey doc, right? Mm -hmm. Or I say, hey doc, right? There's there's very different, I'm saying the same words, Mm. but what I'm communicating to you is very different right? Um, if I, if I am trying to actually shut, if, if it's okay with you, I'd like to share a story of something yeah, that, please, please, yeah. um, that might help because I think our brains tend to want to justify things with, yeah, but we're doctors, like we're treating patients. This is serious business. Mm-hmm. Well, nothing is more serious than a dying child. Very true. Not nothing. Okay. Very true. Not nothing. No, no, very nothing. true. Very true. But I there are, there are a few things right? That are more acute than a child who is in the pediatric critical care unit and is dying. Okay. I have a client who, you know, has been working on just this, this idea of what do I, my mindset, what do I need to do? How do I need to think so that I can take the appropriate steps to get a different result than the one that I've been currently getting? And so what has happened is we've talked about and worked on how judgment, first of all, defining it, what that means for them, right? How how does judgment show up when you talk about patient care, when you talk about interacting with nurses, when you talk about interacting with MAs and respiratory therapists and the patient's families? Um, How am I interacting with myself? What is the narrative I'm telling myself as all of this is happening? So when we talk about, so this, what happened essentially was this child, uh, they were rounding on the child and they decided on a dosage of medication and the, the attending physician, my client said, okay, so we're going to do X yeah. drug at X dosage. Mm-hmm. 
How does everyone feel? Do we all understand? And the resident says, you know, I'm kind of scared. This kid is really sick. I don't know what I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. Well, my client said, you know what? I'm here. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to put in this order. I'm going to walk away, take, see the other patients that are in the unit. I will check on you. But if you need something, let me know. All right. Okay. He comes back a couple of hours later mm-hmm. and notices that the dosage entered was 10 times what he had said to order. And it's just a decimal, right? You just got to move that decimal because you're working with kids. It's micro doses in some cases. And so he's seeing this adverse reaction fall, you know, come through and it's manifesting. And I mean, what would what would your reaction be there? I'm curious. Well, I mean, just like with anything in medicine, like you you start to freak out if you're not trained. You start yeah. to freak out if you, just with anything in life. You know, uh, I use an example of like the cold freeze that we had. If you are a normal person who owns a house and your pipe burst, you're going to freak out. But if you're a plumber that's seen this, you go, okay, relax. I got this. And then you kind of start diagnosing without that stress of, oh, my mm-hmm. God, look what's happening. So you're saying that you, the experiences that you have lead you to be able to lower your stress because you know what to expect or you know what to do to course correct. That's it. Okay. And still, what are things that are running through your mind for the resident, for the nursing staff? What are what are things that you might think? Not to say this is how you would react, right? But a natural, an understandable reaction would be: would How be, did you? How did this even happen? How do we get here? How do you? Who, right. Whose fault is this? Exactly. Yeah. Right there. Whose fault is this? Yeah. Right. And it's so easy because of I, I think things are changing now in medicine as how you know, residents experience, uh, what it's like to be a resident. I think mm-hmm. the rules were much different. Oh, you, it was a lot stricter. Yeah. It was a lot like you're getting, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So whose fault, whose fault is this is really what the qu- first question would be. Yeah. Exactly. Whose fault is this? Because I ordered what I said I ordered and somebody messed up. Right. Um, and so, but because of what my client or, and what my, because of what my client has been able to accomplish in our work together, what they said was, huh, it's just an observation. This isn't going the way I would have expected it to go based on what I had ordered. Mm -hmm. Let me see what happened. Okay. 10 times the dose. Yes. The resident put in the order, but where did this break down? Did he not, is it possible Mm-hmm. that it was just, he's tired. He's got something else going on. Maybe he's got a newborn at home or a sick parent or something. He's tired. He's stressed. And he already told me that this situation was not one he's comfortable with. His brain made like a glitch, right? It happens. Okay. Right. There's one question or not only did the resident order it, but nursing fulfilled it. Mm-hmm. So now the question is, did nursing even catch the order right. or did they catch the order and not feel empowered to speak up and question? Right. right? And as the leader in that group, what, how clear was I? Maybe I wasn't. Maybe, uh, you know, you know, there, there's infinite possibilities that start to open up if you're willing to consider that everyone had the best of intentions mm. and we're not looking to find fault. And why would we not look to find fault? Because it doesn't serve you. 
Mm. It doesn't serve you to find fault if your goal is to create a situation where everybody learns from the experience and it doesn't happen again and you don't feel stressed out in the process. So now, what what do you do as a leader um, when you say, okay, let's not find fault. Let's educate. Let's teach. But you find re- repetitive overdosage. You find repetitive things that are happening. You're like, come on. I went over this with you. How are you not getting this? Let me try another route. Okay. I went over it and you're still, and you, you have people, you have people you work with or people to work for you that you just like, they're just not getting it. What do you do in that situation? Well, there's so many unknowns to that situation. Right. And so what I, what I like to tell people is no one is the expert except for you in your given situation and considering the fact that other people also are, they, they have, they're privy to information that you as the doctor are not privy to. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's, you know, yes, there's frameworks and, and tools, communication tools that you can use to have a difficult conversation. One of my favorites is, um, is called iPhone by Dr. Jeffrey Tumlin. He's a TEDx speaker. He's fantastic. He wrote the book, start, stop talking, stop talking, start communicating. Um, and he, one of the things he talks about is iPhone. Um, I'm not sure if he talks about it in the book, but I've heard him say it many, many, many times over the years. And it's a great framework for how to have a difficult conversation. Hey, it seems like you're not getting it. You know, there's a whole framework. And importantly, the framework is useless unless you're clean on the inside. And what I mean by clean is if you're not coming from a place of peace, if you're not coming from a place of like, you know, let's figure this out and I'm going to draw a boundary, right? Um, This is not okay. If this happens again, we're going to have to X, Y, and Z, right? Do you understand that? Tell me, tell me how you understood it. Reflect it back. Tell me what you heard so I can make sure I was clear. Mm. What resources do you have to help you in this process? What resources have I, have I not given you? What's not clear to you? Mm. So, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to step, I'm going to challenge a little bit, right? You know, if you're an older dentist or older professional, you say, well, the, the, this generation is soft. This generation wants everything handed to them, babied, right? And I'm sure every generation says the same thing, right? But what do we do when we have that mindset coming into another mindset of, well, you're just yelling at me and I'm shutting down? What's your goal? What's the desired result that you want? Okay. That's all. I mean, I always go back to this because it served me so well. Even in parenting with my kids, man, middle school, I feel like is tough <laughs> for it's tough for the kid. It's tough for the parent, right. especially if you're going through it for the first time, which is where my husband and I are at, Right, right. you know, but what is our goal with parenting? Is it to create children who can rely on their own experiences, their own expertise to make sound decisions? It's, is it our goal to support them being the best version of themselves so that they can be confident and kind and resourceful and, you know, live out their purpose in life? Or is my goal to have, you know, just listen to I, listen to everything that I say, 
don't question it, just listen. And that means you're going to do everything exactly perfectly or exactly this way. And I think that if you do it this way, you won't have any issues. So do what's you your think, goal? So do you think that dentists are not looking at it from like a goal oriented point of view when they say, well, I taught you this, this, and this, why aren't you doing it? This, this, and this, are, are you saying that these dentists are going to have limited uh, interaction with their subordinates and they're also going to basically train robots versus train people who can think outside in order to solve their own problems. And maybe I might be reading too much into it, but no, I mean, what, no, what are I you mean, saying? I think many of us, again, because this is how we were taught, right. this is how we were taught to lead. This is how we were parented. This right. is how, you know, especially for people of color, kids of immigrants, Boy, there's only one way and it's <laughs> one zero zero on that report card straight down. That's Anything it. off the path. That's it. You suck. That's it. That's you know? It. And so it, I say this with compassion and I'm not saying you're wrong to think this way. I'm saying how well is it serving you? I think there are a lot of people because they've never stopped to question it or they maybe they don't believe that there can be a, a way that does serve better. Um, you know, they do wind up boxing themselves out of options. And do you think that that leads to our stress basically being, um, I don't want to call it a tyrant, but basically being this like, hey, do my way as a leader saying, hey, do my way and you'll get the results and that's all there is to it. Do you think that leads to our stress? Heavily. Okay. Heavily. Okay. Okay. I mean, literally what's happening is when we say it's A or B, mm -hmm. right? Um, and we're angry about it. Like, what the heck? Why can't you figure this out? I've told you so many times. I've showed you. I've, you know, gotten the other assistant to show you. The other assistant's figuring it out. Why can't you figure it out? Mm -hmm. Right? When we, and listen, sometimes someone's just not meant for the job. Mm. And that's Okay. You don't need to make them feel like crap about it in the process. You mm -hmm. may decide to let them go. Mm -hmm. You may decide to move them to the front or move them, you know, ch change their role. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's just something going on at home or with their health you don't know about. But if you're looking for a collaborative environment where things are easeful and when you meet challenges, you're not flying off the handle, um, you're able to, you have a team that's focused and thinks clearly. You cannot do that when you're coming from a place of black and white thinking. Okay. You know, let me ask you this, and I'm very curious. Okay. So we go through a very stressful situation. I'll give you a scenario. You know, we're doing surgery or whatever, and patients anxious. And I'm, I don't know about you, but if, whenever the patient's anxious, that projects onto myself, projects onto my assistant. Give us something that my listeners can listen to and say, okay, I can use this in a time of stress. Mm -hmm. Give us yeah. anything that you can to help us on those times of stress where you can just calm that room down, calm yourself down so you mm -hmm. can start focusing and thinking straight. Yeah. Well, there's a lot I would offer, but I think the first thing that comes to mind is inner peace creates outer peace. Inner conflict will create external conflict. And what I mean by that is if, and we have these mirror neurons in our brains, right? So that's why when this patient walks in and they're anxious and they make everyone miserable, like they're coming in on a Thursday, but here you are on Sunday afternoon and you're like, man, this is the week, you know, right. um, they're already affecting you. Right. 
right? They're already changing your heart rate, your respiratory rate, your, your, you know, literally the cocktail of neurochemical hormones and everything. It, it just is off and in a state of stress. So effectively what that does for you is it, if you think about the brain as a house, okay, and say all the valuable information that you need to access is on the second floor, you're on the first floor, but the stairs have been demolished, mm. right? Your brain cannot access the cortex, right? The prefrontal cortex is inaccessible when you're in a state of stress. So you go back to just kind of mirroring what's happening. That's that's a that's a basic human tendency in mm. an effort to stay safe and part of the tribe, if mm -hmm. you will, right? Patient's anxious, you're anxious, and now everybody's energy is just pinging off of each other, right? And the assistant's in there and she or he has got their own thing. So what I, you know, I have, um, what I have found that works really well for me is my three-step process of number one, creating awareness for where you are at. Are you in a state of stress if so, how much, right? Just that simple awareness. It's so funny. People, my clients tell me all the time, they're like, well, we want to, we want to get through to step three. We want to, we want to make it through this process because, uh, you know, we, that's, that's successful, right? We want to make it through, but just practicing the step one of like recognizing I am anxious. What does that feel like in my body? Okay. It, my heart's going my like sometimes people do this weird you might pick up on like a weird tendency like like some people clench their hand or mm -hmm. they like start to like hold their jaw a certain way or they you know their shoulder starts to right. how does that show up for you because intuitively then what happens is simply labeling it will take away some of its power and then you might start to be like oh my shoulders up here mm -hmm. let's see if i can See if I can relax that, right? When you start to just connect, and a big thing for me here is connecting with your breath. Okay. Connecting with your breath is so critically important. And I don't care whether you're operating on someone or you are sitting in traffic or you're making dinner or you're on the golf course. Connecting with your breath is a practice, I would say, in that in that scenario, to go back to what you were saying, the awareness that you're stressed and and connecting with your breath, using breathing techniques to get to a place where your parasympathetic nervous system is working and not your sympathetic nervous system. Can you give us, so I want to make sure that I understand what you're saying. One, identify what your stress cues are. So like you said, it's clenching or some people just are, are they're stress talkers. They just keep talking, right? Uh, or or basically, like you said, tenseness in your jaw, your your shoulders, whatever it may be. So identifying that, and then you said breathing techniques. Like, give us some kind of exercises that we can do chair side while we're going mm -hmm. through this in order to kind of bring everything down. Yeah. Well, one of my favorites is resonance breathing, and what that means is you're all you're doing really is just taking longer exhales than you are inhales. Longer exhales than you are inhales. Okay. Yeah. That's all you're doing is just focusing on what it feels like to breathe and making sure that you're excellent. You can count, right? I'm going to inhale for four, exhale for six. Um, is it in your nose, out your mouth, or how are we doing this? I always will advocate nasal breathing. Right. Um, by the way, on somewhat separate subject, if you have not read Breathe by, uh, I think his name is Nestor, 
highly recommend for any dental professional. It's incredibly insightful, but he talks about the importance of nasal breathing in terms of overall health, well-being, uh, maintenance of airway, all that. But nasal breathing is where I would always advocate for, because that's where we get the nitric oxide into our blood, helps us calm down. Um, there, it, that, that literally will activate the parasympathetic nervous system, activate that, that vagus nerve to actually kick in, slow our heart rate down, slow our breathing down. And what that will allow, if you calm down, if you start to stay fe- focused and centered, you might find if you just stay with it, other people have mirror, mirror neurons too, mm. right? So if that patient is like, you're mirroring their anxiety, guess what? If you mirror, if you model calm, presence, mm-hmm. focus, they're likely going to also respond in some way, shape or form. Okay. Right. Okay. So let me switch a little bit, right? So we've kind of helped the doctor that's in the in the trenches, I like to call it, right? Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about dental students. Let's talk about, you know, uh, residents. They're about to finish with their program and they want to go out there and basically network. But you said something that was very interesting. You said networking versus connection. And you kind of you kind of said, no, they're very different. Mm-hmm. Under, let me Let me understand what that meant you know, what you meant by networking, because we're all taught to network, right? The more you're out there, the more you're connecting, you know, you're assuming that networking is connection. So you connect with people, hey, doctor, da, 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 I want to be with your practice. So that's what we're taught. But you're saying networking and actually connecting with people are very different. So break that down for us. Networking is very transactional, right? I show up, I want to meet you. And it's, I'm looking for the game that I can play to get to where I want to get to, right? Who do I know? Um, connection is how do I know them, right? Connection is very service led. It's heart led. When, you know, when you and I were talking right before you hit record, we didn't sit here and do logistics and, you know, da, 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 da. You shared with me, you shared with me about your family, about, you know, your experiences as, you know, with, with your in-laws and all of this stuff in such right. a heartwarming way. It, like that builds trust. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's so easy for me to want to say in a, in a, in a situation where I'm looking to advance, I'm of course, like no fault. Everybody wants and needs that job, that their their fulfillment of their goal. Um, and you're going to be more likely to get the outcome of your dreams if you're doing it with, how can I help you? Hmm. Who do you think that person's going to call if they say, you know, man, I don't have anything for that person, but I really liked them. I really, really enjoyed them. They seemed really interesting to talk to. And they really made me feel like, they were hearing me, you know, they, they really cared about me or about the specific, maybe a cause or maybe a hobby that we bonded over. And the next time an opportunity comes up, who do you think they're going to think of? Now, can we use that same mindset to talk about interactions with patients? Mm-hmm. Because I, I feel like networking and connection are kind of the same when it comes to patients, right? Patient comes and sits in your chair. They don't know you from anyone. Right. But you're trying to get them to trust you enough 
for you to do the work on them, mm -hmm. right? So the same way, how do you basically help these uh, new dentists with that kind of connection or building that, that trust and connection? See them as people. Don't see them as procedures. And I know we've all heard it, but let mm -hmm. me tell you, I, that took me a long time. Mm. That took me a long time. For so many of us, that doctor slapped on the front of your name, it, for me at least, I'm not going to speak for anybody else, but for me, that was my, that was um, an unhelpful point of validation for me. I understand why it was a point of validation for me. It's an earned degree. It's an earned title. It's coveted, all of those things. Mm -hmm. And yet we assign our self-worth to it, mm. Right. If I'm not a doctor, I'm nothing. That was what I was told growing up was if you're not a doctor, get out of here, you know? <laughs> and so, and then I got crap because I became a dentist. So, <laughs> you know, it's like still a doctor, guys. Um, but disrespect. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, you guys don't even know how much right. medicine is involved in dentistry. Right, right, right. It's, anyway, I digress. <laughs> uh, but, but really coming at it, you know, you are partnering with this person is your goal an rvu is it your production is it to get better at a procedure that you want to you know i want to place as many implants as possible well again here we are back to results what is the result you want do you want a practice where your patients are excited to see you they show up on time. They show up maybe five minutes early. They're telling their friends about you. They have great experiences because when they're in their chair, you're hearing what they need. You're helping them get educated. You're They're more comfortable. They're more receptive to your care. They're more, more likely to follow your post-op instructions. If that's what you want, then you need to build trust with them. You need to see them as a human being, but they importantly need to see you as a human being, not just some cog in the wheel where insurance sucks and hospitals suck and doctors are out to get you, right? If you're just trying to come at me with your 10 blade, full getaway, right? right like I'm right, not here for that. Right, right. I oh. overheard a surgeon say one time, like I go on four hours of sleep. Like it's some freaking badge of honor. Get away from me. If you have not slept a full night of sleep right. and laughed till your sides hurt sometime within the last week, at least like and that's being generous. Like, God, just, mm. I want the best surgeon. I want the rested surgeon. I want the surgeon that played golf yesterday and picked up their kids and read a book. And now they're here. They're excited about the surgery. They're ready. They know what could possibly happen. They know how to fix it. And importantly, because they've, they know me, they trust me and I trust them. Now they know. Oh yeah. She said she doesn't, really feel comfortable in this position. Let me see if I can tweak it. Or maybe I, she didn't, she didn't like that bite block last time. Let me, let me move the other one, you know, little things. All right. So here's another thing too. So we've, we've taught the, the dental student or new grad and they're, they're now learning how to communicate with people. And then they go just like with anybody, well, I need to open my own dental practice. Right. Okay. But I'm going to wait until I have this amount of money in my bank account. I have this, you know, my, my kids are older or this and this and this. And you mentioned indecisiveness. You mentioned that a lot. Right. When I was kind of researching, you mentioned indecisiveness. And you said, if you're waiting for perfection, you would just never do anything. Right. What they call that? Uh, 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 paralysis. Was mm -hmm. it? 
Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. So, 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 um, um, I want to know what you meant by just how do we get pa- how do we get past that? How do we get past this, you know, uh, paralysis stage when we we're waiting for perfection, we're waiting for everything to just be ideal in order to make that move that we want to make for mm-hmm. our dreams? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you don't. You can't. Okay. It, it's again, here we are back to, it's not what you do. It's it's how you do it. And what is your goal at the end of it? Do you want to open this practice because you think that's what you quote unquote should do? Watch out for the shoulds. Mm. If you find yourself saying, I should this, they should that, they, you know, he should this, that is here we are back in black and white thinking. Here's an expectation and you've fallen short or you've met it, right? So are you, are you wanting to open a practice because you want to serve the community, because you really truly love dentistry, because you want to expand your skills and you want to dabble in an entrepreneurship and, you know, that's something you want for yourself for whatever reason, then the, the intention behind the actions of starting your own practice are ones taken with gratitude. That's not something to be taken lightly, right? Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm so excited. I get to go look for land to build my practice or, you know, instead of, well, I guess I got to find a realtor. I don't really know what I'm doing. These people, like it's all freaking blah, 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 blah. Prices of this have to be in the cost of the build out and this. And that. You can complain and kick and scream the whole way and you will be miserable, guaranteed. Even though you got your result, good job. You started mm. your practice. Congratulations, you're digging yourself into an early grave. Mm. Stress, okay. stress, stress. Right, and you mentioned gratitude. You know, I feel like um, in dentistry, we, one, I think, and this is my opinion, that I'm, I think being grateful that you're a dentist, you're able to make what we make, you're able to live the life you want to live, that should be enough. But a lot of people see the opposite end, right? I I read somewhere that people will always congratulate you, will will never see the 99% of the things that you do right, will always focus on the 1% that you did wrong. So break that down when it comes to gratitude for yourself, and then also being able to see and and appreciate people that are around you that are making you kind of get your dream Mm -hmm. uh, going, you know, as a leader. Yeah. Like the importance of gratitude and how- The importance of gratitude, yeah. When we come from a place of abundance, right? And by that, meaning I have anything and everything I could possibly want, have or need, and I have the resources to either access that or create that or whatever, you don't want for anything, right? There's not a scarcity of like, I don't have enough time, I don't have enough money, I don't have enough... All of those are real limitations. I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, everything's perfect and we have, you know, just, excuse me, snap our fingers and everything happens just Mm -hmm. like magic. No, Um, we have to do the work. But when we take action, the intention from which we take that action of gratitude, it's very difficult to get stressed out when you're too busy being grateful, when you're too busy seeing what's going well. It's very hard to get bent out of shape about that one thing, right? Or even if it's that one big thing, you've spent so much time creating gratitude for all the little things that if they were not going well or in place, they would be really big things. Things like you're sitting up. What would happen if you couldn't sit up? Mm. Nobody thinks about that. But I guarantee you there's people on this planet who are thinking, God, I wish I could sit up right now. Hmm. That's true. That's true. 
here's okay. Okay. So gratitude, appreciation, all that sounds very good, right? But there is a, a lot of people that come into situations out of fear, meaning I don't want to lose what I've gained, right? I don't want to lose. So, so risk is not something that I want to take. Okay. Even if it might be beneficial for us, even if it might actually end up, you know, allowing us to grow 10x or, or grow more, we're afraid of, hey, this is where I came from. This is where I'm at. I'm happy to be here. But why don't you push to that next level? Whoa, 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 whoa. That's too much. I'm happy. I, you know, that that fearful mindset. How do we get past that fearful mindset for everybody? Knowing where they came from. Fear is something we're all going to feel. Okay. Stress is something we're all going to going to feel. And at the same time, if we can understand that it is simply there, it exists much like there's clouds in the sky right now. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean anything. It's it it's it's there, but that doesn't if again, what is it that you want? Do you want this 10x or do you want to be here? And complain and you know, like people complain about like it it, it I have enough, I have enough, mm -hmm. and yet they find themselves wanting more. Well, which is it? Do you have enough or do you want more? Right. False right. evidence appearing as real. That's fear. Mm. When there's no gun to your head or a rattlesnake or, you know, what have you. And I'm sorry, but some of the greatest successes of our time and even times past have come as a result of losing everything. Now, I'm not oh. saying you should look for ways to lose things. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying get drunk and, you know, don't fasten your seatbelt and drive because you know, I shouldn't have any fear. No, that's not what I'm saying. Right. You can be intentional. You can be mindful. You can notice where the fear starts to pop up. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I Another favorite game I love to play is, all right, let's, you want to go down that road? Let's play the game. What's the worst could that could happen? I had a client one time, she said, well, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job. If I, you know, if I draw that boundary, if I want to pick my kids up at a certain time, no, I'm not going to see patients past 3.30 or whatever. Mm -hmm. She's like, I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job. And I'm like, okay, what happens if you lose your job? And then what happens? 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 And she wound up going, well, I guess I would still be able to go get another job. And I would still, you know, be able to have, we would still have each other. I'd still have my health. I'd still, you know, I'd have a means still to put food on the table. Yeah. You're not going to die. So perspective is basically what you're saying. It almost sounds like you're saying perspective is the biggest thing that you kind of should use when you're gauging life in general. Absolutely. If you scarcity mindset, abundance mindset, if you come from a place of I've got the ability to figure this out, I'm smart enough. I've become a doctor, right? Like I can, I can do things. Mm -hmm. I can figure it out. Mm -hmm. Or I can find somebody who does know how to figure it out. It'll it'll happen. We you come from that place of gratitude. You're not looking for fault. You're not looking for reasons why it won't work. You wind up taking what I call massive inspired action. Hmm. And you're gonna make quote unquote mistakes along the way. 
And those missteps or what have you are going to be your greatest source of wealth in terms of learning about yourself, learning about what to do in similar situations, learning about what to do in dissimilar situations. You can glean from your experiences and go, well, you know, that time, you know, this, this happened. I'm going to try that here in this part of my life because it worked well over there. Okay. Right? So let me get personal a little bit here. Sure. Um, when it comes to yourself, you switched up your game plan. Mm -hmm. from full-time dentistry to coaching. Yeah. How scary was that whole process and that that transition? Because again, you were taught, right? Just like all of us, you're a dentist, you're a dentist. You became a dentist. Good job. We're all proud of you. And now you're switching. Yeah. Yeah. How, how was that for you? Um, I think the fear was so big because I didn't have the tools that I have now. Um, It was- To be a coach it, for- for, no, you know. I mean, before I became a coach, I got coached. Okay. I didn't, I didn't know what coaching was. First of all, yeah, I always think it's funny when people are like, I want to get certified to become a coach and they've never gotten coached. <laughs> what, you know, you have no idea how empowering that is or any, anyway, my point is I looked for help, but until the, the pain of the solution was less than the pain of the current situation, I was stuck in fear. Mm. I was stuck telling myself that it was okay and I'll compromise. I'll, I'll let myself get stolen a little bit. Like, oh, I'll just go down to two days a week. Oh, well, I'll just, you know, um, I'll accept these unacceptable conditions at work, these assistants that, you know, are not not trained or I'm not to not have, I did mobile dentistry for a while. And that would mean we'd go out to different nursing homes and provide care. And, you know, sometimes I'd be told like, no, we're not going to order that supply for you. You're going to have to figure out how to do this without. Mm. Okay. And then you justify it. Well, it's okay. I'm still getting paid. I'm still a dentist. Right. 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 It's okay. I'm just doing it part-time. Right. You know, Right. It, it, you justify and you justify and you justify. And the only person, actually, it's a detriment to the entire universe, but the person that it's the biggest detriment to is yourself. Um. So yeah, I, I did deny myself the opportunity to even explore what life would be like outside of dentistry for a long time. And did you feel like you were having to basically live up to an image that you created from your you know, your family's point of view or other people's point, but not for yourself. You're like, Hey, I want to try this, but there's so many people that are dependent on me and, and are so proud because you're a dentist or whatever it may be. I think, you know, we all have that, the cultural and the familial, right. you know, you stayed within the bounds of what we expected. Um, I will say from a place, it, this was from a place of privilege too, right? I was not in a position where I had to work. Now, many people will say, but I have to work. And you're like, mm, yes, but not in the degree or the severity that you do. Mm. Right? Like, you don't have to kill yourself. You can survive on $50,000 until you figure out how to get clean in here, you know, to 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 change what you need to change. Mm. That's okay, right? You don't need the Ferrari. You don't need, yes, we all want it. But right. if you're not 
you will have the Ferrari and be miserable. So if that's what you want, go for it. But you don't, you don't, we, we, we need so little. So um, do you, do you, are you saying that, um, a lot of people are coming from a place of greed, a place of, um, glut gluttony when it comes to, Oh, I want this house. I want this, you know, Porsche Ferrari. I want this. I want that versus saying, what do I really need? Maybe that's a component of it, but no, okay. I think we're coming from a place of fear, a place yeah. of needing validation because we talk to ourselves and, you know, if you're getting tired of hearing it, sorry, but this is just when you're talking to yourself in an unloving way, you're not good enough until you have that Ferrari. You're not good enough till your wife is wearing those Louboutins. You're not good enough till you take your kids to Italy for the summer. You're not good enough until your parents say you are. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, that that's why we seek this external validation, right? We chase, we chase the practice, but look, Look, I've got the practice. I've got the wife. I've got the kids or the spouse. I've or I don't have the kids. I have the, I don't know, the fish tank or the dog or the, whatever. Like whatever boat, it is that, yeah. yeah, the boat, the thing. Yeah. You, I've, I have the thing, and you assign so much value onto it. Mm. And meanwhile, you've got this gaping hole because you're treating yourself like crap. Mm. You don't deserve it. You got to work hard to make sure you don't lose it. Don't lose it. Don't mess it up. What happens if, right, we're coming from a place of lack instead of abundance. We're coming from a place of when when we can learn to really, truly accept who we are in all of our imperfections and have compassion for that, then what happens is we start to see in other people also that they're just imperfectly human and that they're doing their best. That assistant that can't seem to get it together man, that must be tough. Let's, let's see if I can help. Let's try a different way. Let's talk to her. Let's this, let's that. It's still not working. I'm going to have to let her go, but I'm not going to hold her responsible or him responsible for my practice thriving or not, mm. for me failing or not. That's not a reflection of me. If I have come to her or him with a, or them with a place of how can I support you doing the best that you can for us. What message would you give to somebody who, you know, likes dentistry or likes what they're doing, but isn't in love with what they're doing? And then I think we'll kind of wrap it up from here and then you can, we, we, you can basically tell us how to get a hold of you, but we'll talk about that last. But what would you give, what advice would you give to somebody who kind of says, okay, I like what I do, but I'm not in love with what I do. How do I find my passion? I would say live life. Mm. The answers are going to come to you. If you, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do either. Right. And, and um, you know, but I had postpartum depression and, you know, back when my son was born and found yoga as therapy. And then it kind of became a passion that I developed, right? But it wasn't something I was in love with at first. It was something that I experienced on and off. And it, I was still, you know, in the dental world. Um, and what I do right now is still not 
yoga in the in the sense that you are likely thinking about yoga, right? Like being on a mat and mm-hmm. being twisted in all these weird positions or perhaps upside down. Mm-hmm. That's not yoga, but it's also not what I do for a living. But my point is one thing will lead to another. Steve Jobs actually, uh, if you haven't watched the commencement address that he did back in like 2005 for Stanford, he talks about um, connecting the dots. Like you can only connect the dots and see the the how one experience led to your next opportunity when you look at your life from retrospect. You can't do that going forward. So all you can do is, like he talks about how I took a t- he took a typography class because he liked typography. And it turned out then that that type of typography played a crucial role mm-hmm. in Mac as we know today, Apple as we know today, and how it aesthetically presents, right? There's no way he could have known that as a college dropout. Um, so what I would encourage people to do is to, to first of all, accept that that's where you're at. Maybe are you judging yourself for not loving dentistry? Because that judgment's going to keep you from finding your passion. Mm-hmm. So can you accept that? And then can you also think about like, all right, what do I like to do? Who do I want to hang out with? Who do I want to be? And just do the things, enjoy the moments that you have and your answers will come to you. Wow. Tell me how anybody can reach you via, you know, Instagram, email, whatever it may be. How do we get a hold of you? Well, I'm all over, yeah, I'm all over Instagram at dr.seemadesai. I'm sure you're going to have all this in the show handles, mm-hmm. uh, the show notes. Um, LinkedIn, I'm also on there. My website, drseemadesai.com. Um, you can find all sorts of resources from my book to my breathwork courses, which I'm most excited about is breathwork and meditation for busy professionals. So earlier I talked about connecting with your breath, how to do that. Why is that important? All of this is what I cover in my course. And it's just a, you know, an offering meant to help you start incorporating that despite being busy, no matter where you're at, at work or at home or anywhere in between. Um, I've taught dental practices to do, to leverage their breath. You know, even, even now there's practices out there that are breathing at morning huddles because we've, we've worked on that skill together. So, um, that's where you can find me digitally. I, and I'm just very excited to help. Right. And I will say on a personal level, you reach, when you, when someone reaches out to you, you respond very quickly on Instagram or whatever, because that's how we connected. Uh, so you are definitely somebody who likes to connect to people that, you know, want to reach out to you. So I would encourage everybody to go and then I'll put it in the show notes and everything, but I would absolutely encourage reaching out to you because, you know, just going through your Instagram and stuff is really just, it just allows you to kind of change your mindset just a little bit. And I think it's something that we all need, you know, and I'm going to be the first one to tell you that initially I was like, oh, what is this? And, you know, oh, it's another fad, wow. and, you know, <laughs> yeah, okay. true word. I love it. I love you know? that. It was, it, it was, it was like, oh, okay. Another person talking about positive thinking and stuff, but they haven't gone through what I did today. And it's about, you know, but when you, when you start to listen to people and then start to, well, you know, actually listen. You know, one thing we always say is we hear people, we don't listen to them. When you actually listen and say, okay, here, I hear what you're saying. I I, I understand what you're saying. And I'm actually doing research to uh, incorporate that. When you do incorporate it, because I started yoga and I mean, I'll be honest with you, lifting weights is easy compared to yoga. (laughs) Yeah, It's hard. And, And I think COVID allowed us to really understand that people are not comfortable within themselves. 
Mm-hmm. Right. When we had time and all the time in the world, and we're all sitting at home. <laughs> That's when you found more, you know, divorce rates and all this other stuff, because you were not comfortable being just within yourself by yourself without all the busyness of life. Yeah. You know, so that's something that I think your program, you and just kind of going through um, your Instagram will definitely help being comfortable with you. So that's what I got out of it. And I really appreciate your time that you took to to make this happen. And I I really hope people get so much out of this conversation. So I thank you so much for coming in. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been such a joy. I feel like we could talk all all day if we if we were given the chance. So right, right. Yeah. No, I, we definitely need to do something. Maybe we can come back for like a quick, you know, breathing session or something that within your book that would allow us to kind of see what that kind of give a little sample of that book. Yeah, or even like if the audience comes back, I don't know how vocal your audience is. I feel like for the Happy and Human podcast, we we do have some feedback, yeah. um, and so it's always fun to. Uh, to kind of take questions from yep. the audience and, you know, get them answered. I would absolutely love that. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Well, yeah. thank you again for coming in. Really appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tooth Be Told. The opinions on this episode are just that, our opinions. Please consult your dental professional before taking any action with your dental health. If you have any questions about anything you heard on this episode, please contact us at Real Dentist with an S. That's R-E-A-L, Dentist with an S, at gmail.com. We would be very happy to return any message that we receive because we love the communication that we have with our listeners.